Welcome to the Ministry Mars Podcast. I'm David Haynes, and I'm joined by Thomas Majors. And Thomas, we have an interesting topic today. Here it is, highly likable people. <laughs> now, we know nothing about being highly likable people, but there's some guy named Scott Motts who has actually written an article about it. And his article is entitled, Highly Likable People Avoid These 12 Behaviors. And Thomas, I'm just going to be honest with you. Some of these behaviors I see remind me of a whole lot of one pastor I know. And I'm going to call his name. He might get mad at me, but I saw a lot of David Thomas Haynes. Majors. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Really, we see each other a lot in this right here. And uh, and these are some behaviors that I have done and that I'm sure I will do in the future, but I should not do. And uh, so, Thomas, well, what are your thoughts on this article by Scott Motts titled, Highly Likely People Avoid These 12 Behaviors? When you sent it to me and I first read it, I thought, well, I like this. And, and I could. I could see some of myself in there that that I do those things, you know, <laughs> of course, highly likable people avoid right. these things. And I saw myself doing <laughs> some of these things. Yeah. But then as I was really looking through it and preparing for the podcast, I realized there's a lot, it's a lot similar. There are similar things that are being stated in like if number two and number four, they're very similar statements. And they're almost like he says, all right, you need to do this or don't do this. But then also he comes back and he's like, well, don't do that other thing either. And it's it's almost as though he's he's stepping on shaky ground. He, he doesn't really find one place to stand on and argue from this position. It's like he's taken all the different sides and it could I mean. Honestly, this could apply to anybody. It can apply to anybody. Anybody because of the way he has written it. Yeah, yeah. So I think our listeners are going to enjoy us making fun of ourselves when it comes to this. And then they might even see that they're not very likable either. (laughs) 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 All right, Thomas, let's jump in here. The first behavior that our article author says we should avoid is... Humble bragging, humble bragging. Now, that's kind of interesting. He will later say, well, now being humble is good. It's just leave that bragging part off. And Thomas, in the lives of pastors, we often do this. Um, I remember asking somebody, this was several months ago, I asked, and I was just being honest. I was. I asked them, have you baptized anybody lately? And they mentioned something, and they said, have you? And I said, no. I said, I, I, was, just, I was just wondering about you and your ministry. And they said, oh, I thought you were asking that just so you could brag. And I said, no, I'm I'm just, I'm curious about you. And so pastors do humble bragging. It might come in the form of this right here. Man, I tell you what, we had a blessed Sunday this past Sunday. We baptized nine people. I don't know when the last time we had done that. Oh, oh, wait, we we had done that three weeks ago when we baptized 14 people. And we'll say things like that. And really it's just humble bragging. Or they'll ask you something like, Brother David, where can I get me some new waiters at? Why do you need new waiters? Well, man, I've been using mine so much getting it in and out of the baptistry that I've wore the soul out of them, and they're starting to leak water. Yeah, it was a shame. <laughs> Have you ever had a high water bill at your church? No. Why is that? Because of baptism. That's, so. right. that's, all, that's humble bragging. It, they're they're yes. trying to 
point the direction somewhere else, but they're also trying to yeah. pat themselves on yeah. the back. <laughs> and now it's something we do in humble bragging. Reminds me of one of the professors I had, uh, an English professor at Blue Mountain College, Dr. Barbara Holland. She said in prayer request, we can say anything about anybody as long as we say, bless their hearts. <laughs> <laughs> so in humble bragging, we can say anything about us as long as we end up saying, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> That's good. So that's the first one. All right. Number two is oversharing. And by oversharing, he means that you, you probably met some people before who as soon as you meet them, they tell you their life story. And they may even say something like, I know I'm just meeting you and I don't know why I'm telling you this, but then they begin to tell you all about their recurring toe injury or they're recurring sore on their their foot, or they tell you about the time they had an affair or whatever it may be. They're just oversharing. They're just pouring out their life details. And what the author would say is that a person like that shows that they are undiscerning. It's almost like a character flaw in them that they, they don't take the time to know someone and to discern what they're going to say in the moment. They just let it all blurt out. It's candor. They just letting it all spill out right before that person. I've seen it. It doesn't happen too much to me as far. Now, it happens quite a bit to my wife. People will talk to my wife, and I don't know if I just have one of those ugly faces. No, your wife is a likable person. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So, But it it doesn't necessarily happen to me, but I see it on Facebook, on Facebook or some other form of social media, people will overshare. There are sometimes I think, why would you put that? Why would you put that on Facebook for everyone to see? And they're just, they're just undiscerning in that. Now, let me say this. I've done it. I've overshared but I, I do it strategically. <laughs> okay. I'm, let me humble brag real quick. Okay. I am strategic in my oversharing because like when I go to your church, I told the people almost as soon as I got up that I was a recovering drug addict. Yeah. And, and that's a little bit of oversharing, but I do that so that if they ever hear about my past, they don't think, well, that preacher is hiding all that. What else is he hiding from yeah. us? You know, can we believe him on anything? Yeah. And so I go ahead and share that so they don't hear it from someone else. But oversharing. Do you have any experiences with oversharing? Well, the one thing I think of is a conversation after after a conversation, you should desire another conversation or a further conversation with that person. Oversharing kills that desire. Man, I didn't think they were ever going to be quiet. I couldn't believe they told me all that they told me. I hope I don't see that person again anytime in the next 12 years. It's kind of what you think. But yeah, it should, a, a conversation should lead you to want to go deeper with a person. Have you ever had a church member overshare with you in yes. the counseling session? Yes, yes, yes. And, and, and you might, we might even call that chasing a rabbit. Like, hey, you're here for this reason. Uh, let's forget about all this other stuff. But as a church member, pastor relationship, you there are some things I don't need to know. There are some things I don't want to know. Yeah. One of the things that happened to me at a former church, not at Holly, but at a former church, 
there was a church member that came in and began to talk to me. And through the conversation, I mean, he told me about his issues with pornography. Kind of through the conversation, you tell he thought, oh, I've told too much. And he didn't come back to church. He never came back to church. I lost the opportunity to minister to him because he overshared in that moment, felt some shame and guilt and thought, I won't go back to that church until that preacher is gone. And I have seen that before in marital counseling. Often when a couple comes and they sit down and they really open their heart, they pour their hearts out. um, A lot of times they leave the church. Because now there's something, there's something that they they were too open, they overshared, and it it stopped the ministry of that church through them. Yeah, kind of strange, isn't it? It is. So, all right, Thomas, let's move on. Number three is being all about yourself. So the author says, don't be all about yourself. As I as I read this, he is wanting us to be concerned with other people, and 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 I kind of put a I kind of put a parenthetical statement after being all about yourself, and I put in parentheses. This is a mirror personality. Now, not a mirrored personality, not you taking on the the attitude or the personality of the person you're speaking with, but this is a I'm looking in a mirror personality. All I care about is me. Oh, look at my hair. Oh, look at me, 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 me. This is being you focused. And I think there are people who absolutely in their in their relationships and their conversations, it is all about themselves. All they want to speak about is themselves. Yeah. So number four for me is, is very similar to the number two that I talked about. Yeah. He says that highly likable people avoid this and that is being non-transparent. And so he's saying that a person needs to be transparent. But I think what he would say is that a person needs to be transparent and also discerning. There you don't need to let everyone know about your about all of your dirty laundry or all of the skeletons that are in your closet. What he says, but people need to know about your life. You need to be transparent. And I think he would describe he does describe it as being uh, sincere. And so we need to be sincere in our communication, especially as pastors. But I believe there are times where we should be transparent. And we need to let people know that we struggle with with certain things because they struggle with it. And if they think we are perfect, they can get this skewed idea of Christianity. So we need to be transparent in our life. Thomas, the fifth behavior to avoid is near and dear to my heart. I mean, it is near and dear to my heart as a pastor. On a Sunday, like this upcoming Sunday at Trinity Baptist Church, we may have 200 people that are out there in the sanctuary that are at our church, and there may be 70 of those 200 who who want to tell me something, or I need to see them, or I need to tell them something, and and so often in that, I love to go up and to hurry up and get to my point, and I say something, I get them to say something, you know, I ask my question, they answer it, they ask their question, I answer whatever the case is, and and we do the business that. we need to do, and then we move on. Here's the behavior he wants us to avoid. It says, avoid rotating to your topic before responding to theirs. Now, can I tell you a little bit of a story? This story that I'm going to tell goes all the way back to Dr. Ronald Meeks at Blue Mountain College. Uh, One time I asked Dr. Meeks how he 
listened. I view Dr. Meeks as a very good listener. And so one time I asked Dr. Meeks, I said, I said, what makes a good listener? And he said, well, David, he said, this is what you do. He said, you need to stop thinking about what you're going to say as you're listening to other people. And I thought, I don't do that. And then I thought, Yes, I do. Oh, I That's do. exactly it. As soon as I ask a question, whatever they're saying, I have a tendency to be thinking about what I'm going to say next or what I'm going to ask next. That happens a lot of time in prayer, too, especially <laughs> when you do those prayer chains, you know, yes. and you got That's right. like, all right, we're going to start on this end of the church and let's just have a time of prayer and let's begin here. And then the next person will just keep moving. Yeah. That person who is on the very end has not heard a word no. Nothing. <laughs> that anyone has prayed before because yep. they're thinking, all right. Oh man, they just prayed on that. Yeah. I got that. I, I can't. I can't pray on that. Scratch through subject. that topic. Oh, that is so funny. So yeah, so rotating to your topic before responding to the listener. Now, are you ever guilty of that, or is it just me? Oh yeah, I'm definitely guilty of that, especially when it comes to uh, things about the church or trying to get my agenda because we do have a limited time on Sundays to talk to someone. And so instead of responding to them, we just jump right into our conversation. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Number six is over listening and undersharing. And basically what he says, we need to listen. We need to pay attention, but we also need to engage the conversation. There are times we've all done it before where we listen to someone and we do not want to carry on the conversation. So what do we do? We stop it either by basically not responding, by looking away, by doing something else. And he says, well, he would describe that as over listening. So he says that we need to listen, but we also need to respond. We need to respond to what they have said. And we want to keep the conversation going. Yeah. The people who don't keep the conversation going sometimes can be awkward. That's my personality. I, I'm not a conversationalist. I don't like small talk. I, I won't. I'll, give me the facts. I just want the facts. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> give, just say what you need to say. I'll say what I need to say. Let's cut out all the small talk. You yeah. know, that's just my personality. And so I'm guilty of six. I, I'm guilty of listening, not carrying on the conversation and dropping it off. Now, I, I'm guilty of that as well, but in a different way. I love small talk, but it makes me guilty in a very similar way. I will get involved in small talk and will ask people questions. And I love I love learning about people, but then I find myself not sharing about myself. They may want to know what my favorite dessert is or what the best steakhouse I've ever eaten at is. Instead of me just asking them, uh, I think sometimes they want to hear from my perspective too. So that is uh, that's another side of, of undersharing, you might could yeah, say. So yeah, that's good. All right, Thomas, number seven is being emotionally skewed. Now, the author of this article took that in two different ways. He says that emotionally skewed people can be people who lose their temper or people who never show emotion. Now, I believe I see myself in one of those, and I believe I see yourself in the other one of those. I am in the people who lose their temper category, and you would be in the people who seldom show emotion. Am I right? See, that's how I see you, but your Holly people may think differently. 
Yeah, and my wife would probably say differently, but I do try to control my emotions, when, especially when it takes me a long time to warm up to somebody, yeah. <laughs> okay? I mean, a long time before I will, I will show a certain side of myself to them. So for a person who doesn't know me very well, they probably do see me as a person who uh, doesn't show a lot of emotion. That's right. That's right. And and sometimes I can come across as being too emotional, believe it or not. But but that's just kind of how that's kind of how we are. And I think that what he what the author is saying is don't be emotionally skewed. Basically, use emotions to your benefit. Allow your emotions to let people say, you know what, that's a highly likable guy. I, I think I would want to say appropriate emotions because there are times where some people fake their emotions yeah. so much. You're like, oh man, they're they're just faking it. Baloney. Yeah, that's right. Or I don't think we've ever discussed this. What about the preachers who cry? Ah, oh, fake emotion. Cry the whole way through a sermon. Cry, or cry at a certain point on cue crying. Well, look at that. It's uh, 11.55. It's about time for the preacher to start crying in the invitation. <laughs> and go. All right, there we are. <laughs> We're almost out, guys. We're... <laughs> Meet y'all at the Mexican restaurant. <laughs> yes, and that is that is not good. <laughs> no, no, definitely not good. So number eight is staying at arm's length. And basically, that's not letting people in. And that is an issue that I have. And the writer of the article, he said, it's like a boss that he had one time. The boss would always say, hey, my door's open anytime. But then when he would go in, he felt like that the boss was keeping him at arm's length. He described it as, a, yeah, the door was always open, but only half of it was open. Oh, yeah. And so there are times where we probably keep people at arm's length. I know that's true for me. And we've actually talked about this on a podcast before where I was under the advice of preachers who came before me who said, well, you can't be friends with people in the congregation. I took that to heart. I thought it was good advice. But now looking back, it was it was just terrible advice. It was bad advice. And that really cost me the opportunity to minister to some people. So that's definitely one that we should not do, and that is keep people at arm's length. That's right. I believe they want to develop a relationship with us uh, as pastors, and then people in general, uh, with coworkers, whatever the case may be, people want to be relationally involved with us, and they want to be our friends. Uh, number nine, Thomas, is catastrophizing everything. That's basically being negative. The way I say it, I don't remember if you, I never watched the movie, but I think there was a movie about a guy by the name of a chicken little. And it <laughs> seems like the sky was always falling for those people. I would say, listen, the sky is not always falling. I promise you it's not. There is a silver lining to that gray cloud that might be over your head right now, but don't always act like everything is terrible. Thomas, have you ever seen that in a, in the life of a pastor? He might go to a new church, might go, oh, it's just the same thing. And it's always terrible. Have you ever known anybody like that? Definitely so. And sometimes the problem is we make everything about ourselves. Yeah. 
We make everything about ourselves. You know, not every deacon meeting that they have or not every personnel meeting they have is about us. Not every time that somebody is writing something during the sermon when you're preaching is about <laughs> you. It's it's not. And so we over catastrophize. You know, we just say that it's it's so much worse than it really is. I've known pastors. And can I be honest? Yes. It's just me and you talking. I've done it before myself. <gasps> no, say it ain't so. Blow something out of proportion in my mind. Yep. And that's usually what happens. And I remember what Dr. Sweat, Dr. Sweat at Blue Mountain College, he would say, just because someone doesn't talk to you doesn't mean that they're mad at you. And he would go on to explain, he would say, maybe that person is having a bad day because something happened to them on the way to school or the way to work or the way to church. And they're so concentrating on what is happening in their life that they miss the opportunity to say, Hey to you, but what do we do? Oh, that oh, person no. must be mad at me. They must be mad. Their feelings are hurt. What have I done? What have I feelings? done to them? And so it's, it's just blowing things out of proportion. Number 10 is non-credible complimenting. I've never done this. I I have I have never told someone they preached a good sermon when they did not preach a good sermon. Buddy, I have. <laughs> <laughs> and somewhere Andrew Chastain is saying amen. <laughs> <laughs> so there is the tendency for us because we we want to be Christ-like. Yes. That when someone does do poorly. We do not want to criticize them, and so we compliment them, and it's not. It's just flattery. And honestly, my church members have never done this either. I've, I've never preached a bad sermon, and oh, they came to me. never preached a bad sermon. They, How about that? I've never preached a bad sermon, and they came to me and said, oh, that was a good one, preacher. Uh, that's a lie, too, okay? Because it happens all the time. I think, were yes. you in there? <laughs> right. I wanted to leave halfway through the sermon, and I was preaching it, okay? Yep. And so, you you know, that's one of those times you try to correct it halfway through, and you're like, ah, there's yeah, no correcting this. Yep. We need to pray, and we need to dismiss, you know? <laughs> But we do that if a Sunday school teacher doesn't do a, a good job. And at the end, they'll say, ah, how did you think it go? Oh, man, you did good. You did all right. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, we're probably thinking, I wish I could, I wish I could tell this person what they did. And so we, we use non-credible complimenting. Yeah. Okay. So Thomas, the one that you just mentioned goes along with number 11, which is approval seeking. Sometimes we seek approval because we're unsure of that message. We're unsure of that job. We're unsure of that stance, whatever the case may be. And the author would say that if we are continually looking for validation, well, this scene is just kind of pitiful. Well, what's wrong with him? Does he not have any self-confidence? And so he would say, if you're going to be highly likable, don't always seek approval. It's okay. If you don't do the best job that Sunday, it's okay 
try better the following Sunday. I've got a lady in my church. If I want a compliment, yeah. all I got to do is go talk to her. Uh-huh. Every Sunday, mm-hmm. she comes up to me and she says, oh, you're just the most handsome preacher. Yeah. We're just so and, glad that you're here. And, and I, I think, oh, I love to see her walking <laughs> towards me because I just feel so good when she li- walks yes, away. You know. Yes. But if I really want to be put in my place, then uh-huh. I'll ask my wife, honey, <laughs> That's right. what do you think about that sermon? <laughs> Well, at least you were trying up yeah. there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. Our yeah. wives are usually you, honest. You just didn't have it today, did you? Yeah. No, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the same lady you're talking about. A few weeks ago, I preached here at your church, and uh, and you were standing close by whenever. And she she's a she's a senior adult, and she came up to me and she says, "Oh, I want you to know, I want you." And you you said something about, "Hey, hey, she always says I'm the most handsome preacher that 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 she knows." And she gave me the once over look, and she said to you, "Yeah, you sure are." <laughs> <laughs> hurt my feelings. I ain't ever going to preach this church again. <laughs> I'm telling you, she is so sweet. She is oh, so sweet. Man. Yeah. Number 12. That's right. This is the, the last one. The very last one. Never passing up the opportunity to pass judgment. My wife has actually got on to me just yesterday for this because sometimes we can be overcritical. And one part in Number 10, it was non-credible complimenting. We're giving people praise for what they do not deserve. And then the other flip side of this, when number 12 is we critique people too much. And I find myself critiquing my children. Same here. That's what I was thinking I can be too. pretty tough on my children. I can say to them, listen, I know what your potential is. I'm trying to spur them on. And it it just becomes judgmental. Yeah. And I've got to be careful not to do that. I've got to be careful to do that in other areas as well. But I really see it with my children. Highly likable people avoid these 12 things. Well, you said it at the very beginning. We're not highly likable people. That's and it right. has been confirmed by the times <laughs> that we've said, we do this and we do that. Yeah. It is true. We are not highly yeah, likable people. But we people. are lovable. We are lovable. <laughs> we're made in the image of God. Amen. And we're being sanctified by the Spirit of God. So y'all just keep loving us and we'll keep trying. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we'll, try. we'll try to be more likable. <laughs> I want to thank you for listening to the Ministry Marks podcast. I hope you'll join us again for the next time.